So I definitely got sunburned meeting with the rabbi yesterday. So that's oh, no. fun. And then Anya and I chose to go uh, swimming earlier today. And oh, no. I definitely no. got sunburned in different places. Sounds just right, sounds quite nice, I could say that twice, sounds quite nice, we won't live long. Smash and gouge and stab and poke and chuck you out, that's a pirate's life, pirate's life, short but nice. Hello and welcome to Gay Space Rocks and I almost said an actual play podcast That's where we play. I did this once before. Why can't I do it now? Uh, welcome to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch some fucking gay pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is August. You can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. My pronouns are they, them. And playing with me today is my mutinous co-host, Brian. Hi, I'm Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me and the podcast, or you can find me on the internet at RoomwearPod. You can find this podcast on Twitter at GaySpacePod. Um, we check the messages even though we don't tweet. Which is true. If you, if you, if you, since, if you at, at the account, something will happen, probably. Yes. <laughs> I have notifications set up on my phone. Something will happen. If yeah. if if nothing else, I will look at my phone and go, hmm, and then put my phone back down. Yep. Um, so, uh, any cartoon news? Um, Amphibia's finale happened. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um. Was it fun? It's pretty okay. We'll get to it. Um, let's see. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's anything that I need to... Yeah, I don't feel like I've heard of any cartoon news recently, so... Yeah, yeah, it's, um... Uh, things that are relevant to us, there's a bunch of Steven Universe characters in that upcoming character brawler that WB is putting out. Somehow I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you will be able to play both Garnet and Steven against the likes of Batman, the Iron Giant, and Ultra Instinct Shaggy. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Um... So I don't know if it's going to be good. I hear the Nickelodeon one's good for people who like Smash Bros at like a Smash Bros level. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I have weirdly heard the same thing. I don't know. For a minute, I ended up following a bunch of like fighting game enthusiasts on Twitter. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Sonic Fox. Uh, the only one I... I mean... I follow Sonic Fox still, but I don't know why I ended up following a bunch of other people, too. But I think Sonic Fox is the only one I still follow, and that's because, you know, they're Sonic Fox. Right. So. Um, 
that's all I can think of. Well, have you, I mean, you've watched some cartoons because you've watched uh, Amphibia's finale, obviously, but uh, what all cartoons have you watched, including Slash besides that? Um, <coughs> let's see. I uh, finished Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. Got caught up on that. Um, trying to find the first episode of the, they did a Letterkenny spinoff series that like premiered like this week. It's like about Shorzy, who is the a hockey player who torments Riley and Jonesy, uh, who historically he never showed his face cause it was Jared Kesso, the guy who plays Wayne, uh, just also doing a funny voice. And he would yeah. also be Shorzy anytime he's on screen, they would just put something over his face so you couldn't see him like Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. Wilson, if he talked about how much he fucked your mom, that's basically Shorzy. Um, Jesus Christ. But they got a new show and Jared Kess was playing Shorzy. Uh, and I watched like the first like minute of it and it was pretty fun because it was just Shorzy doing the same routine that he does to like Riley and, and um, Jonesy, but like to a pair of like 16 year olds. It was pretty <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> Uh, then, um, the Owl House is ramping up toward its season finale, I believe. Um, I can't remember. Season, not series? Oh, wait, no, they're doing the... movies. Yeah. Which I do wonder what those are gonna be. I don't know if they're gonna, uh, I don't know, I have concerns. Um, the... Uh, and then the Amphibia finale, series finale mm-hmm. this time. Um, oh. Yeah, Amphibia's donezo. Huh. It's a pretty good finale. I don't... So, what? it was weird because last week, or the week before, the previous episode was like an hour-long special that I thought was the finale. And then there was a 30-minute finale. And weird. I get why they did it. And there's some fun parts like I maybe need to watch it when it hits Disney plus so Mm -hmm. I can see if the animation is smoother or if the uh, feed that my uncle who works at Disney got me was maybe just choppy in this particular section because it because I can't tell if they're like if it's like because they're they're riffing on early 90s anime in the scene. And I can't tell if the, like, (coughs) kind of, like, herky-jerky frame rate is intentional or not. Um, So, when it hits Disney+, Plus, I'll check it. I'm sure it'll be on Disney+, Plus probably in, like, a month or something like that pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was good. I mean, it was emotional. Um... I don't think it hit quite as hard as I wanted it to. Um, mm-hmm. But hey, ending things is fucking hard. I know that better than most. Um, yeah. So like, I wasn't perturbed about it or nothing. Um, that's, I think that's, that's it. Been playing Peglin. Been, been Peglin a lot. Um, mm-hmm. just peggling my brains out. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I don't know if I want to explain to the audience what a pegolin is. Or just uh, let them... What do you, you dear audience, what do you think a peglin is? Leave uh, an answer in the comments. Pause the podcast. Go to Discord. Tell me what a peglin is. Then resume the podcast. I'll give you a moment. Yeah. Okay. Peglin is like, what if Peggle and Slay the Spire had a weird little ape baby? Um, where you shoot different balls at a pegboard to defeat enemies. It's hard to explain, but it's extremely fun, and it lights up all the parts of my brain um, that is lit up by roguelikes. So, uh, so I've been playing a lot of Peglin. Love watching that little goblin that you get at the end. Like, or not at the end, he's your character, player character. Little goblin dances when you defeat the, the boss at the end of the level, and Pretty good. Pretty solid. What about you? you really what cartoons should. have you watched? <laughs> uh, I've watched you play a lot of Peglin. <laughs> um, I haven't really watched a whole lot of cartoons recently. I'm going to make Anya watch uh, the Mormon Pride and Prejudice with me at some point this week. Uh, we're both on vacation. Um, and I've been wanting to watch that movie again because it is weirdly good like it's cheesy as fuck but it is a weirdly good adaptation of the source material based on uh what i can tell and it's really entertaining so uh but i'm gonna make anya watch that with me probably tomorrow night or friday night how romantic um, but i know <laughs> watching uh, mormon footage or film it's fun though. It's it's really fun. Um it's it's got a lot of goofy moments that make it make it what it is and it also just has a lot of heart. Like the people who made it very clearly love the source material. So So Um So the, this has reminded me about a thing Mary was telling me about that they do out in Utah. Um this is only tangentially related to Mormons. Right. <clears throat> but uh, it's something about putting like it's like coffee creamer and shit in Diet Coke or whatever, because Mormons like love Diet Coke, I guess. I know there's some weird things about hot drinks and caffeine or something like that. And sugar in the Mormon Ridge. I don't want to come here speaking on a uh, like a you know authority on mormonism which i certainly am not uh but i was I've, I've seen a number of weird drinks like this come out of utah and it sent me into like a 10 minute rant about how like this is why you just need to have liquor because this is what people do when they just can't drink liquor and like they told themselves they couldn't drink liquor uh because when like when my area of the country was like oh you can't drink liquor anymore we're like fuck you we're just making it now fuck you the government and I feel like that's a, a solid difference between the South and Utah. Uh, so. that, that is very much a, a solid difference. When, a, um, when an authority told us we could not get fucked up, we were like, fuck you, get off our mountain. Yeah, I mean, my dad was Mormon for a while and there is like a prohibition against like drugs of any sort, like, you know, uh, caffeine, alcohol, uh marijuana other intoxicants mm -hmm. um but i feel like in some in some cases it may be kind of like keeping kosher where some people are 
more adamant about it than others. Almost certainly, uh, yeah. And more, more observant than others. Because um, I don't know if Dad ever cut caffeine. I don't remember. Um, but, <clears throat> well, uh, it's weird because I know it's it's not like diet caffeine free Diet Coke. It's it it's like regular Diet Coke, and I guess it's like I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's one of those things where it's like people who want to be really orthodox but also want to drink caffeine have figured out a way to lie to themselves. Like when the the British during Lent would tell themselves, "Oh, beavers, they're fish." <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that has been consuming my time, um, the House Flipper, the new DLC dropped on the twelfth. Uh, ever since the twelfth, I've put in like almost twenty hours on House Flipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fun. Um, you can have a pet, you can play with this pet or pet this pet or pick it up and move it around. Uh, my current pet is a German shepherd named Biscuit. Um, I was thinking about maybe getting a cat, but I don't think that my current apartment can really support more than one pet at this point. So I'm going to hold off until I decide to move to a larger location I would um, like to tell you, I thought the pet provided you some sort of mechanical advantage. And from everything I can tell, it in fact, just makes the game harder. It's exactly <laughs> like a real pet. Yeah. You you have it because it satisfies an emotional need and you have to take care of it. Um, I don't know what happens if you don't, I don't know if it gets taken away. And frankly, I'm one of those people who can't be mean to people in video games. So it's not like I'm about to try and find out what the fuck happens when you don't take care of your pet. So <laughs> you'll just have to Google it, dear listeners. Um, I also made my first million in House Flipper. Oh, look at this property so, brother ass lip motherfucker over here. I know. I've got a... a one and a quarter million in the bank right now um, because I offloaded all of my properties that I had pretty much except for two. Um, oh, the video game uh, fantasy of being financially stable. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I am fortunate enough to be <laughs> relatively financially stable, but uh, not to the tune of one and a quarter million dollars, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but... Yes, the video game fantasy of cleaning being fun and enjoying interior decorating and uh, not having to worry too much about uh, your pet because your pet feeds and waters itself, um, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, if you like House Flipper, now's a great time to come back. The Pets DLC introduced a fuck ton of new furniture, so it's good shit. But that's what's been taking up my time. Nice. Um. <coughs> cool. All right, are we? I guess we're are ready, we ready to, do to get this. into this. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Do, are you, do you want to continue or do you want me to do the thing like I usually do? I, I didn't no, ask you this ahead of time and I have all the correct information pulled up for me to do it. 
No, I have I have all of the correct information as well. Um, just like when I hijacked the show for uh, the Utena movie, uh, I am continuing to hijack the show uh, for the pirate show, um. Um, which I know I didn't exactly say it at the top, but uh, for this week, we watched uh, episodes one, two, and three, the pilot, a damned man and a gentleman pirate uh, of the show. Our flag means death because we're all about that good, good queer content. Um, so, uh, since I have mutinied and taken over the show for this episode, I will start with the summary of episode one, which I am reading from Wikipedia. Um, Steed Bonnet, an English aristocrat, is eager to prove that he can attain great wealth and fame on his own. He abandons his wife Mary and their children for a life as a pirate. He commissions the building of a ship, the Revenge, outfitting it with luxuries, and hires a seasoned crew. That's not true. <laughs> and you hires like the episode a synopsis? crew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, let's let's do the episode synopsis. I'm using the, I, so I this take, is why I always, they're terrible. They suck shit most of the time. But the one fun thing about the fandom wikis is they collect a lot of inane fucking information that I love. Particularly, that's aristocrat turned pirate Steve Bonnet is put to the test when his crew encounters a British naval vessel. It's like that's not what really happens in this episode. No. Those are objectively no. things that happen. <laughs> oh, God, that's why I don't go to fandom wikis, because they're absolutely overburdened with uh, ads with ads that sometimes get through my ad blocker. So gross. But yes, he hires a crew <laughs> <laughs> declaring that he is now a pirate captain. Uh, several months pass and the crew, bored and irritated with Steed's gentle manner and lack of pirating experience, threaten to mutiny and kill him. To save himself, Steed finds a ship for them to pillage. The vessel turns out to be a Royal Navy warship, captained by Steed's childhood bully, Nigel Badminton. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve. <laughs> you know, Steve, Steve. the yes, gentleman pirate, Steve. Steve. <laughs> yep. Uh, Steed invites Nigel and his officers aboard, uh, pretending that he and his crew are aristocrats. Nigel mocks Steed and calls him pathetic. A furious Steed strikes him on the head, causing Nigel to accidentally stab himself through the eye with his sword. The pirates reveal themselves and take the officers hostage, escaping before Badminton's crew realizes what has happened. Steed's men call off the mutiny, figuring that their captain will get himself killed soon enough. <clears throat> yeah, more or less. Which is true. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's it's a fine enough summary. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't want to go into too terribly much detail, but yeah, it's a it's a fine enough summary. Um, I really have to wonder what prompted the use of real historical figures. I want to know if David Jenkins, uh, just decided to read a bunch of pirate books and give steed bonnet the hamilton treatment uh, because realistically speaking this entire series could very easily have been about original characters and been yeah. perfectly fine and use like the most like storybook version of blackbeard which they do yeah. anyways 
not storybook, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, that's not... None of these characterizations are based on fucking historical fact whatsoever. And I think it's just like... Ish! Like, so, so like, Steed... Uh, from what I can tell, Steed Bonnet did actually salary uh, his crew. Uh, and the uh, incident with the Spanish, while it may not have gone down exactly that way, the incident with the Spanish where where Steed gets uh, gets shanked um, reflects like an actual event where Steed ended up getting, you know, grievously injured and uh, Blackbeard like captained his vessel for a while while he recovered. Um, so... You know, there it's there are loose ties to real historical events, but ultimately, like he calls himself landed gentry. I don't know if he was gentry, but he was definitely landed in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, do we really need to give the Hamilton treatment to another rich white dude in history? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I wonder about that thought process. It's a solid one. Until you said it, I didn't even realize that it was a real person. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real person. He really did run with Blackbeard for a little bit. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert for history. Uh, he died at the end of 1718. So if our flag means death gets renewed for a second season, I really hope that it's not historically accurate because <laughs> when does the show that start? would suck. <laughs> 1717 when he starts uh, his piracy career. Steve Bonnet, from what I can gather from the Wikipedia page, was not necessarily the best pirate. <laughs> So maybe it is more based on historical fact than we think. Um, (laughs) Who can say? Um, But all of this to say, I, I wonder, I wonder about the thought process here that there are a lot of things that the show does because of this, that make me kind of a little squeamish which, you know, don't get me wrong, dear listeners, I fucking love the show, please renew it, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we're a bit of a, you know us by now, you know we'll we'll criticize even though we love something, mm-hmm. so. But yeah. Um, how about that cold open? How about it? Um, it's pretty solid doing a little bit of a search a little bit of interesting huh so uh, there's a lot of there's there's four executive producers including david jenkins the creator of the show on the show one of those executive producers is take watiti um the other one seems to be just a very tv guy who has a long history of tv things um but Garrett Bosch, I believe it's B-A-S-C-H, Bosch. That sounds like... Hieronymus like Bosch. <laughs> well, Hieronymus Bosch was B-O-S-C-H, but... Yeah, same thing. You know, Bosch or, Bosch or Bash sounds oh, either one O's and A's are basically the same letter. Um, yeah. One of them just has a little He is an executive producer on What We Do in the Shadows and uh, on 
the night of which is like a thriller series mm-hmm. um but in particular he's an executive also an executive producer on reservation dogs which is a show i've been wanting to watch where it's like uh it's like a coming of age slice of life story about some like um some uh uh kids on uh a reservation in oklahoma all the trailers look very good i've seen trailers for it uh via watching dynamite so (laughs) because it's a i think like a turner thing or some some i've watched i've seen a lot of commercials for it and been like hey that sounds cool so yeah i've heard good things Mm -hmm. So interesting lineage there. And then Take a yeah. obviously we know a lot of his history. Yeah. So I mean, Take a is a, a in particular when it comes to executive producers now. I mean, David Jenkins the one who wrote and pitched the pilot. Um though I don't necess- considering that David Jenkins and my uh or Dan Jenkins, not David. Or is it David? No, it's David. David, okay. Uh, David Jenkins, in my research, has done almost fucking nothing um, before this blew up. He, I feel like this is a, somehow a series that got into the hands of one Take a Watini, who like helped champion it. Because uh, he also seems very connected. He's like the second executive producer behind David Jenkins. So, uh, mm-hmm. interact. I, I do wonder, like that historical research because like Taika Waititi is not unused to uh playing with like using comedy to tell more human stories in maybe not the most savory sections of history looking at uh um what's the name of that um the the World War II movie I have no idea. Jojo Rabbit. There we go. Which was a very fun film. And I see a lot of DNA in in this first episode. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I also I just see like because taking what TD directed the first episode and his fingerprints are all over it. If this is the episode that sets the tone for the series, you can definitely see him injecting a lot of his vibe into this series. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a, honestly, there's just some like great shots of that sort of like dreamlike, uh, quality that take does very good, especially like in the flashbacks when, uh, Steed is like remembering his past or being bullied, which do seemingly, well, no, I guess they don't get dropped. They just get, there's not any in the third episode but there are some in the second episode uh because he thinks he like thinks about his family in the second episode correct or is that just Uh, entirely in the first episode uh i mean they bring up his family in the second episode but i think i think it's mostly in the first episode where he's really thinking about his family Mm, interesting interesting so I may be attributing things in the wrong places in there, but oh well. But yeah, definitely feels like all over, top to bottom, take a Watiti vibe, which means that I, this is to say, I, he's not the writer. He's not the one probably doing a lot of historical research on it. 
but mm-hmm. I think they're using real pirate names, but like without the intention of like putting forward real pirates. Cause like, like you said, like Steed in real life, apparently shit pirate in this show, not shown to be like extremely competent. Like if we're, if we're trying to, uh, to rehabilitate the, the life and times of one Steed Bonnet, I, this show's <laughs> not the place to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like Hamilton. If Hamilton was, like, kind of a bumbling fucking idiot for the whole thing and not, like, like super-duper competent on, in all things all the time. I don't know. Like, I feel like, especially in Act 2, they do a good job of, of showing that Hamilton is kind of a fuckwit. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just but, that no one remembers Act Two. Everybody thinks about Act One, where Alexander Hamilton is uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's self insert OC. Yeah, but that's because Act One had the better music. That's true. Well, th- no, listen. Like, Thomas Jefferson but, shows up in Act Two, uh, and some of those are my favorite songs from that that musical. I mean, that's fine, but like Act One is where most of the frenetic energy happens and that's really what characterizes, you know, the songs, most of the songs that stick. Mm -hmm. But, um, I do think that they made a very good choice not to be particularly slavish to the historical accuracy, um, that the, the tension between like the, the historical, uh, setting versus all of the the modern anachronism in speech and you know references and things like that uh, make it that that is a large compo- component of what makes it funny. Yeah, I do wonder how much of that conceit is. What was I, I wonder what the original pilot scripts look like, right? Because I wonder mm-hmm. if. Like he pitched a pilot or he pitched an idea and then wrote a pilot after getting a budget. Um, because I like I wonder how much of the like adherence to historical accuracy or in lack thereof is like doing extremely good things with your budget because like historical accuracy costs money and a belt from a hot topic that the dude wears in episode two. He's definitely wearing a belt from hot topic on his head. That costs whatever a belt from hot topic costs. <laughs> um, which is not to say that that if intentional makes the show any less good, like work, like being able to push and move at your boundaries usually results in fun art. I just wonder how much of it is like, like in the, um, Famously, the third act fight of Deadpool uh, was supposed to be a giant gun battle, um, but the studio slashed their budget, so they put in a joke that he forgot all the guns so they could just Mm -hmm. do the cheaper option. So, you know, uh, I do wonder, like, where is intention and the necessity coming in? And they overlap. So... Based on what's what's on Wikipedia, it's unclear, although it does uh, indicate that it was always supposed to be a romantic relationship between uh, Steed and Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
when even when it was first pitched, it was pitched as the gay pirate show. So, um, but yeah, uh, evidently David Jenkins's wife uh, is where he learned about Steed Bonnet from, and then read his Wikipedia article, <laughs> and that's the inspiration. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if that's as as uh, historically accurate as they get, then. Um, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, I bet it's just you, instead of reading a, a giant brick. Here's what I'm thinking, okay? Uh-huh. When it comes to season two, I think season two will probably get renewed. If it hasn't already been announced that it got renewed. Um, another thing when I talk about, like, the, the, I have every confidence that this show will get renewed for season two because it's been extremely popular on the internet and looks extremely cheap to make. It doesn't look cheap, but it looks like it's a cheap show to make. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, I, they hardly ever see any real water. <laughs> it's the most, like, yep, that's some water, CG uh, water. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is fine. This is not like a knock against it, um, but it doesn't matter. And the show is this extremely high quality in its production of like comedy, like the the care, mm-hmm. like they're spending all their money on people, uh, and it's paying off, for, you know, significantly. But uh, yeah, my original point. Sorry, my original point uh, was. They're going to get renewed for season two. They're going to go through season two. It'll be the end of the year. It'll be 1718 or whenever the fuck he died. Um, And he will die at the end of the season. We're going to figure out if we get a third season. And if there is a third season, he's going to have faked his death. <laughs> boom. Yeah, bada I mean, bing, I, can, I can see that. Yep. I can see that. I don't know. I feel like season two should just go completely off the rails. Like, I guess, I guess hopefully we'll see. Hopefully we'll see. Uh, what but, is, what uh, is completely off the rails? Like, uh, Oh, just saying, just say, sh- saying history be damned. Hmm. Uh, At what point during these three episodes did they not say that for almost the entire thing? <laughs> well, I mean, Steed does get grievously injured in a confrontation with with uh, some Spaniards. So, mm-hmm. um, because that sounds fun in the Wikipedia to write. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hey, that's interesting. I'll make a good idea, you know? Yeah. Um, I do, I do think with like the flashbacks and stuff, I do think it's, it feels a little weird for the show to be spending so much time rehabilitating a, uh, person who self-identifies as landed gentry. Although like, like I said, I, from what I can tell he's landed, but, uh, without doing any deeper research, I don't know if he's gentry. He is in the show and that's all that really matters that's true um yeah i mean but it doesn't seem as though like the show uh across the board seems to be aware of like class politics inherent in the thing that they're doing um 
And the fact that Sneed is Landed Gentry is uh, pointed out to be like a hundred percent like a bad thing for him, like all around. Like it is bad that he had this money to begin with. The people he got this money from were bad. It made him not great. Uh, and it makes him detached from like regular people. So the rehabilitation is like the like the theme that I get from like Sneed's story from the three episodes of the show that I've watched. Um, this could dramatically change on the back end, but it seems like it's more about uh, kissing on the back end of the show from what I gather. <laughs> um, is to say that like by having these things like these things are inherently bad. Um, to, to, to have this like level of wealth, uh, this level of isolation, this level of like disconnect from work, uh, is bad for you. Uh, and it makes you bad, not necessarily like a terrible, evil person, but it's like not good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely don't think that the, the show is indicating that it's good mm -hmm. that he is landed gentry. It's just the show is also very compassionate towards him in ways that are a little uncomfortable in the same way that like the way that Hamilton kind of rehabilitated Hamilton as a person when like all of the founding fathers were shitty people like objectively. Mm. Um, just as human beings. Uh, I mean, I think like, the real difference is like, if we're looking at the character from like pure class politics uh, of the character presented in the show uh, versus like the real historical figure, th th I feel like the real difference is like, this show is not set out to make you uh, remember of the great pirate name of Sneed, Steed Bonnet. Uh, it is a hundred percent, a guy going, Steve Bonnet's a weird name for a pirate, wikiing him, and then almost probably ending the search, at the, like, historical research of Steve Bonnet at the Wikipedia page, you know? I, I don't know about that, because... Like in in glancing at at like some of the the external source material, I I think there probably was a little bit more thought than just the Wikipedia article. Yeah, but yeah, it's not a depth. It's not in depth. Uh, it's not an in depth retelling of this person's like life in the way that Hamilton yeah. is. That was like like massively researched and has like the character for the first half of the show for the best half of the show you know being this like scrappy up-and-comer who even is painted still sympathetically while he does like dog shit things uh in the back mm -hmm. half of the play um and gets like the hero's redemption for getting getting fucking shot at the end there um but while in the three, again, I've only watched the three of the, you know, the episodes, but in these three episodes, every time Sneed relies on that, uh, like, relies on his own past trying to redefine the world around him by the rules that he previously knew, um, 
assert himself in his class, it is objectively a bad fucking thing for him to do. It goes wrong every time until he finally does away with all of those things and acts through real true emotion um, that is not dictated to him to, like, keep his place in society. And then he is freed. I mean, he does murder a man, but whatever, it's a cop. So who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Minecraft. Um So I think they're tr- like, I think they come from like an, a source that is similar. But I think the idea is that our flag means death does not set out with the express purpose of venerating Sneed, Steed Bonnet. Uh, is yeah. using him it, as ins- it sets out- yeah, inspiration for what is what is certainly an extremely fictitious take on the character while Hamilton is like. Uh, look how fucking cool Alexander Hamilton was. Yeah. It's just... I think the weight mm-hmm. of the fact that Steed Bonnet is a really real person, even though this is, you know, likely not terribly historically accurate beyond the Wikipedia article, um, I think just the, the weight of the fact that he was a real person makes some of the class politics ring a little false. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying the show is bad, but I can, I've, I have seen other criticisms about like the way the show kind of glosses over uh, slavery in general. And, you know, some of the, the racial politics in the show, um, the weird way that indigenous people, get portrayed um that kind of thing and it's like those are really valid criticisms that you know shouldn't necessarily be brushed off mm-hmm. and it it starts from the first episode it it just it would have been a lot better and a lot you know a lot better in that respect if they had not used a real person but I mean, David Jenkins in the, in the Wikipedia article, it says that David Jenkins was setting out to answer a question that he had about why the fuck would Blackbeard even bother with this dude? So, uh, you know, this is this is really just David Jenkins's pirate fan fiction mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, but I mean, it's still worth mentioning that. <clears throat> the the historical aspect just the fact that there is a historical aspect makes the fact that the show because of its its nature the fact that it doesn't reckon with certain things makes it a little weird i mean i think even without the weight of real people that that would still linger by the fact that it's set in a you know more or less a real world like even yeah. if like Sneed Bonnet's name was, you know, something entirely different. Um, Steve Cap. Yeah. Um. I I don't think that those questions change. Like that is not to say that like the thing that I was previously saying defends any of those things. It's very like there's bits that I like. Um, it's very fun, and it is definitely like. 
I, I feel like some of the roughness is them as writers in a in a comedy trying to like use its historical setting, obviously, to like uh, to hold a mirror up to like modern culture, uh, mm-hmm. which is fun and, a you know, like not necessarily like a rocket science idea and is like a tightrope to walk. You throw the jokes out there and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. That's, you know. That's yeah. the na- that's the I nature mean, that's of jokes. Comedy. So, yeah, yeah. You want to I mean, read the description overall, for the next two episodes because we're just kind of talking about the show, uh, and we're an hour yeah, in. The, yeah, so <laughs> and it feels um, like there's we'll a, go we, ahead. we really need context for the other two episodes because like I keep jumping back and forth. Uh, yeah. So uh, episode two. Um, would you, uh, a damned man, uh, since you've got the fandom wiki up, would you mind reading the episode synopsis and then I'll read the, the summary? Uh, yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, a damned man, right? Okay, uh-huh. cool. Um, episode synopsis. Steed battles feelings of guilt while hunting for missing hostages. Lucius makes a surprising discovery. Half of that's right. Um, he feels guilt, but not like it seems to imply that's about losing the hostages. He doesn't really feel guilty about that yeah. at all. No. Black Pete tells. Um, <coughs> I- Oops, sorry. Oh, oh, we're doing it this way. Mubby, oh. Mubby. Yeah. Yeah. After accidentally stranding his ship on an island, Steed order his, orders his crew to take a, quote, vacation so they can recover their strength. The hostages manage to escape into the island's jungle. I mean, it's. it's manage makes it sound like they were really trying they had to work very, very hard, hard for it and <laughs> yeah yeah the the hostages escape into the island's jungle and steed black pete and oluwande go to retrieve them while walking along the beach lucius discovers that his crewmate quote-unquote jim was actually disguising themselves at themselves as a man steed his men and the hostages are captured by the island's natives who put them on trial steed haunted by visions of a dying badminton breaks down and confesses to murder a tribal elder advises him that his fear may stem from something deeper the men are set free but learn their hostages have been sold to three other pirates steed improvises a plan to catch the pirates off guard and agrees to trade them one of the hostages in exchange for the other as the crew sets sail, he makes peace with Badminton's death. Lucius is ambushed by Jim, who knocks him unconscious. The pirates secretly follow the revenge under the orders of their captain, Blackbeard. Bum, bum, bum. In episode three, and then, A Gentleman Pirate. Yes. Steed, a.k.a. The Gentleman Pirate, conducts business in the Republic of Pirates. Uwalde. Uh, Uwande? Oluwande. Oluwande, thank you. And Jim face their past. Steed learns of the, quote, Republic of Pirates, a a heaven, not haven, huh? I would have gone with haven. Uh, It is the fan wiki. (laughs) Well, no, this isn't the fan wiki. This is Wikipedia. But yeah, a a heaven for criminals where he hopes to both sell off his remaining captive and introduce himself as the newly minted gentleman pirate. Aboard his ship, Blackbeard orders his first mate, Izzy Hands, to approach Steed and request a meeting. Uh, Jim and Oluwande take Steed to a tavern owned by Spanish Jackie, who seeks Jim's head for killing her favorite husband. 
when Izzy finds Steed, Steed rudely dismisses him, saying his boss can, quote, suck eggs in hell, unaware of who he is. A fight breaks out over who will purchase the captive, and Jackie kicks Steed out of her tavern. To thank Jim for sparing his life, Lucius steals back Jim's family dagger from Jackie. Geraldo, Jackie's barkeep and one of her numerous husbands, tricks Steed into boarding a ship belonging to the Spanish Navy, where he is stabbed and sentenced to death for piracy, while Jim's disguise is exposed. Steed is about to be hanged when the ship comes under attack by another pirate crew. Cut down before he strangles to death, Steed opens his eyes to see Blackbeard standing over him. So, so leading into this third episode, they they were like, Phew, we don't know how long we got. Uh, <laughs> it really feels like they're like, <laughs> uh, we could get canceled at any time. So episode three feels like it could be the season finale. It really does. <laughs> um, the The pacing on this show is quite quick. Yeah, I'm noticing uh, that. As, yeah. As as someone who's watched the entire series, it really doesn't feel like 10, 30 minute episodes. It feels like it, it could have been a 22 episode season. Like they're, I don't want to say they're as efficient as the Crooniverse when it comes to trying to tell these stories in a very compressed time period. But I do feel like the comedic timing is so on point that it feels like, you know, and the comedy is used for the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's not so a wasted you moment. Know, it's, like, it's very efficient with its storytelling. Yes. And, like, again, um, like, it's not, they've spent their money on people. You see all that money on camera, and it's in the writer's room, too. Yes. And it's, it's not... Like I said, it's not as efficient as Steven Universe because Steven Universe is still able to take uh, take a fair amount of time to breathe, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't feel like this show does a whole lot of breathing. There are um, there are a couple of quiet moments, especially near the end, but overall, it's it's a fairly frenetic show. Yeah, um, I definitely think the the a lot of the the casting choices they made are very very good. Uh, Reese Darby does a phenomenal job of making sure that we know that Steed is kind of incompetent, but he's still he's still very lovable. Mm-hmm. And he's um, not he, he's incompetent, but he's not like a total dumbass. Yeah, he's just out of his element in a lot of ways. Yeah, and trying um, to make the although, best of it, but he doesn't really have the skills to make the best of it. <laughs> Yeah, he really does not. Um, although I do feel like uh, he does. He gets a little bit of a short shrift uh, because there, there's an episode later in the series uh, where he he learns about, quote, the art of the fuckery, which is about like, you know, misleading misdirection, that kind of thing. And I feel like in the, the first couple of episodes, we see him doing fairly decent at yeah, that like the, in general. Like, like, the whole in, in the pilot, the, the whole masquerade thing is his idea and it's not a bad one. <laughs> no, I mean, it it largely works mm-hmm. uh, like it works in their favor. They get a couple of hostages out of it and they don't die. So, you know like fairly fairly good win and then you know they managed to get one of the hostages back from from izzy mm-hmm. so you know it's it works out quite well i mean they might um, like any show is gonna flanderize to some degree so mm-hmm. that might be what's happening 
unlike Steven Universe, which yeah. is the nature's like it's the antimatter to flanderization, the reverse flanderization yeah. in Steven Universe, where every character becomes more complex instead of less. Yeah. Um, I do. I do. Speaking of Izzy, I greatly enjoy. Uh, I greatly enjoy the fact that he and Steed are basically hate on sight. Mm-hmm. You know, the opposite of love at first sight, just absolute hating each other at first sight. It's delightful. Um, Con O'Neill is great as Izzy. Again, casting choices, phenomenal. Truly very good. Um, I'm assuming as this series goes along from art that I've seen, there's got to be some sort of love triangle situation between Izzy Steed and Blackbeard, yeah? (laughs) Or is that just something Um, invented whole cloth by the fandom? It is not exactly invented whole cloth by the fandom. Um, it's the way that Con O'Neill plays Izzy and and uh, the way that he's kind of written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Izzy is clearly in love with Blackbeard, but too repressed to do anything about okay. it. Um, and it's it's just really good. Uh, Izzy Hands is a great character. He's awful. I love him. Uh, I think a lot of the fandom is is pretty much in agreement that we don't we don't really want to fix Izzy Hands. We just want to study him like a bug. <laughs> Put him in a glass jar. Poke a couple holes in the in the lid for air. Um, but uh, I I think that. One of the the ways that Reese Darby does make Steed a sympathetic sympathetic character is he's he's so earnest. Uh, there's like despite the fact that that Steed is, you know, selectively good at misdirection, like his character is very earnest. Reese Darby plays it very well. Um, and like I do think that the show does a good job of portraying his naive naivety naivete mm-hmm. uh in an interesting light where it's like he's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but that doesn't make him a bad person. Um, it's, it's just very disarming. Um, I'm sorry. I am talking a whole heck of a lot. I've got a lot of notes. No worries. Um, I think overall, I like, I like the character dynamics. It's a fun show. So here, here comes the hottest take. Would you like the hottest take here? August? Hang on, let me let me go get my asbestos mint, uh, mitts. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm all ready. Right, it's not really a hot take. It's just like I I think this show is extremely funny. The cast is really good. It is a very uh-huh. good show. I will not like. There's not like I'm not going to seek out the other three episodes of this show on my own. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. <laughs> For what I don't like, know. And here's the thing. I think it's just it's not my genres, right? Like mm-hmm. pirates, uh, period dramas, the the 
you know, the Jane Eyre's and the in the Bridgertons and the such like. Right. Like I watch those shows and I'm like, oh, this is good. It's not I don't find them unentertaining or they do not like I find no value in them. I would watch them with somebody who was interested in them and, and have a good time watching the show. Um, But for whatever reason, just does not tickle any parts of my brain. Like what so fucking ever mm-hmm. I and I would say that if this was like silly gay cowboys, I probably would be just uh, all over it. You would you would eat that shit. Yeah, up almost certainly. Um, um, I guess as long as they I, see, here's the thing. They've got to be a certain kind of cowboys. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this exact show, but the Wild West would still do the same thing to my brain. Um, I I feel like. I, I feel like it might be worth you watching one more episode so you can get like kind of a feel for the dynamic between uh, Blackbeard and Steve. Oh, I'm aware of that. Uh, I am not like I my YouTube got very polluted um, and I've seen a number of scenes from the later half of the show. I mean, I'm not talking about like the romantic dynamic. I'm talking about just like the way that that uh Taika and uh, Reese play off oh, each I'm other. Sure they just have an immense amount of comedic chemistry. Oh, I do not fucking doubt it. Um, those two seem as though they're like. Well, I mean, they're both from. They both have that weird New Zealand energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, really interesting New Zealand energy they got going on, and I'm sure they are. Mm-hmm. They're extremely funny together. I just like. Uh, I don't know. I guess, like, and it's very interesting because, like, I have voraciously consumed another comedy uh, in the form of Letterkenny, where in, like, what, the course of a month, I've crammed eight seasons of that fucking show into my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love all those characters. And I'm interested. Like, the thing is, like, I'm super fucking interested, not just in Letterkenny as, like, a funny, like, if Letterkenny was just a funny haha show, I would not have eight, watched eight seasons of it. That's the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, is you that that's not the Big Bang Theory. To be a funny haha you have show, to be you funny have to be and funny. make the hahas. What's a? I can't think of yes. a. Let's. What's another? A Bob's Burgers. Yeah, Bob's Burgers. Where it's not. It doesn't continue any story. It doesn't tell any like long term stories. Right. Hmm. That's not what Bob's Burgers does. And I like Bob's Burgers, but I probably wouldn't sit down and crush a fucking season of Bob's Burgers. I'd watch like two episodes of Bob's Burgers in a in a probably in a playlist that just plays random Bob's Bob's Burgers episodes. Even it wouldn't bother me any. And I would get quite a bit of enjoyment Mm. out of that. Yeah. Um, But like Letterkenny has just enough characters that I can be super invested in them and the way that their little lives play out. Uh, and it has to be, I don't know why it's the letter Kenny that is my brain is like, yes, yes, yes. And not this, like, um, this show that should appeal more to me. (laughs) I'm going to hazard a guess because your eyeballs deep in like your, your, um, redneck folk storytelling. Yeah, that's probably fair. And from what I've seen of Letterkenny, like they're rednecks, mm-hmm. like they're Canadian rednecks, but they're oh, rednecks. Oh yeah, they're hicks. And they self-identify as hicks. It turns out, yeah. 
Yeah, it turns out Canadian hicks are very similar to Appalachian hicks on this TV show. <laughs> it does feel like like it. you know hearing the hearing the them do the hick off where it's like which ones you know which one's family is more you know more hicks. Like I'm sitting there and it's like that's that's members of my family right there. Like that's <laughs> literally them. So you know I remember this shit from growing up. You know visiting that side of the family like. You know, it's that's probably it. Like that personal connection to the the type of people and the type of stories they might be telling with those people. Yeah, it's fun. I think I also like the aspirational aspects of it of like it's a small town that doesn't suck shit. Like it's got problems mm-hmm. and it's not perfect, but it doesn't it's not like fundamentally broken at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so I mean, that's. And that's understandable and that I am absolutely not saying you're wrong for feeling that way. Like I, at some point I want to watch Letterkenny um, because like the cold opens, if nothing else have sold me on the concept of the show, even though I know the, the cold opens are not necessarily reflective of the actual show that they're attached to, but, or the actual episode plots, but. Um, but yeah, like the yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the. I'm like, this is real good. I'm glad we watched this. <laughs> and like, I mm-hmm. like the show. I think the show is doing inter. It, like, it is that is not to say that this show is somehow like doesn't have stuff to say in the same way that like Larry King does. It has a lot of shit to say, and I think it does probably nine times out of ten a pretty good job uh, of saying those things that it wants to say mm-hmm. when it comes to like. Uh, w- when it comes to the important shit that like comedy is does a good job of of holding a mirror up to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and and you know the the way that it approaches a lot of the the diversity with the characters is very interesting too. Like, um, it's not made explicit in these episodes, but Jim is Mm non-binary. They refer to once, once they get over the whole Jim is a woman, uh, everybody refers to them with they, them pronouns. Uh, Jim's uh, actor is non-binary themselves. It's never a big deal. It's never a big deal that pretty much all of those pirates are fucking Mm -hmm. gay. Um, It's, you know, diversity when the person who's trying to kill you is non-binary. Uh, <laughs> poor Lucius. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this show has a lot of good stuff to say. It's it's very interesting. Um, it uses. <laughs> so is the actress. It uses. Is the actress who's playing Jackie in this episode. Uh, does she also like does she like have a prosthetic hand in real life? No, okay. no, that's I, that's Leslie Jones. I thought it was Leslie Jones. <laughs> I didn't think yeah, look it up. Yeah, it's Leslie like, Jones. That's a, such a good yeah. looking prop that I do wonder. <laughs> no, it. Uh, she. Um, the, there's an anecdote floating around Tumblr about how like they approached her about playing Spanish Jackie. You know, she has a wooden hand and like 20 husbands and Leslie Jones was just so stoked to be a pirate and have pirate boots. And she got to keep the pirate boots because evidently it's just difficult to find pirate boots that'll fit her. Ah. Um, so, 
Uh, but yeah, that's Leslie Jones. She's phenomenal. I love her. I love Spanish Jackie. Um, God, the cast, the casting is yeah. so good. Hey, top to bottom, just like some of the best casting in a comedy. Like, yeah. Um, and really good with the costuming. Like, I don't know about like the historical accuracy of the costuming, but when it comes to making the individual characters distinguishable from each other, uh, when it comes to describing the differences between Steed and the people around him through his clothing choices, the color choices, like in episode three in particular, just like Steed being all innocent and going around uh, in white clothing Mm. Uh, only for him to like basically have his innocence taken away when he gets fucking shanked and then his white clothing gets stained. Like, really, you know, really good visual storytelling through the costuming. Like, it's not historically accurate costuming, but it's good costuming. (laughs) And I'm glad that it's not historically accurate. I'm tired. I'm tired of, like, dreary looking historical accurate shit, quote unquote, historical accurate looking shows looking at you at all yeah. of the Viking well, I mean, shows. Yeah. Like one of the things that, that gets forgotten about like fashion in the 1700s is that a lot of it was, was pretty colorful when you got into like, uh, upper crust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes sense that Steed would have a very vivid wardrobe. Um, but just the use of color on him in general is just very good. Um, Oh man, I'm one of my one of my criticisms for the show though is it does not treat Mary well, especially at the beginning. Um No, the thing is that I the thing is about there's such a magical quality to the way that the, like the angles and the shots and the cinematography of those flashbacks in episode one that to me it feels like it's communicating that these are not this is not historic like these are not objective facts these are the way that steed remembers and the way steed remembered feeling in those particular moments yes yeah uh i i completely agree um it's just that we didn't do episode four. Episode four has a lot more about Steed and Mary's relationship, mm-hmm. and it's still not terribly kind to her. Like, this show doesn't have a lot of good women. You know, it at the very end, it's like, okay, you can have some good women characters and some good treatment of the of the women characters, but other than Spanish Jackie, like, Mary is the largest... Uh, mm-hmm female role in the show and yes it is possibly because of you know steed being the pov character it's still it's still not great Mm -hmm. about its women characters for most of it so it it's just that is a frustration and and it's it's a shame because especially when we learn more about mary later it's like damn you know that was kind of wasted um you know, it would have been cooler for for her to be it. It feels a little bit like 
like Steed's committing character assassination against his wife and his flashbacks in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, that what that needs to do is be contrasted by like character on screen. Does she disappear forever at the end of this this season? Um, we see her at the very end of the series. Okay. And then based on the way that the series that the season ends, mm -hmm. it does not seem like we will ever see her again. Okay. Like her sto her story ends at the end of the season. OK, well, I mean, there's a distinct possibility, maybe not with Mary, but like to address it by bringing on like a some more like dedicated, consistent female cast members. Um. Mm. Oh, Sorry, there was something I'm just going through my notes. There was something I wanted to mm -hmm. mention with regards to costuming. Uh, people who think that Izzy, Fang, and Ivan uh, came from Hot Topic have clearly never met a leather daddy. Okay, okay, hey. One dude is wearing an obviously pleather belt across his fucking head. And it's a split, it's a split uh, stud belt. One I definitely know they sell at Hot Topic. <laughs> But they are definitely, they're not just your your standard goth dudes. I'm not, I'm not dudes, here like, complaining about Izzy or the other guy. I don't know their names. I just know Izzy's name. Because um, they disappear in episode three, so I never see them a fucking kid. I don't learn anything about them. Um, oh, they, they come back cool. later, which is why I remember. I mostly remember Fang's name uh, because he's got quite a few good gags involved with his character. But Fang's the one with the white beard. Okay. Um, but yeah, like the other two look fine. It's just the very obvious fake leather belt that's across the one person's forehead that to me is hilarious. I love it. And that's not like everybody dresses like a caricature of a thing like the yeah. the, the revenge's crew are dressed like uh, background mannequins from um, Pirates of the Caribbean ride, not even the movies. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong, but I definitely think there was some influence from the leather scene when styling oh, yeah. Izzy and his his lackeys. Like, I've been to Pride. I've seen I've seen bear marches. I know what this looks like. Um they're good costuming choices, though. Like, gotta gotta love that Blackbeard's crew is obsessed with with leather culture. Um, I do think that the way masculinity gets per portrayed in general is pretty mm -hmm. fun. Uh, there are lots of lots of ways to be masculine in this show. Um. And generally speaking, the person who is most uh, toxically masculine is Izzy, and he's not great. Like, we're, we're not supposed to think he's a good person, uh, and we're not supposed to think that his views on masculinity or the way a person should be acting are correct. So... The I can't tell the thing is at this point in the series, I can't tell if Izzy's mad at Steed because he's a flouncy little flounce boy or because Blackbeard is interested in him or both. 
Uh, but there's definitely like like um, goth prep. <laughs> yeah. Hate between the two. Yeah. Definitely some goth prep hate. I think that. I think that if Steed had just been a flouncy flounce boy. Izzy could have gotten over it and forgotten about Steed after after he stewed a little bit on on Steed's uh, uh, outmaneuvering him. But the fact that Blackbeard then took an interest in Steed only solidified Izzy's hatred of him. At least that is my read on the situation. Yeah, that, that that's also my read, so... But yeah, um, God. Um, so I ended up looking up uh, pirate flags. Um, none of the flags that got made in the first episode are actually Steed's flag. <laughs> um, they're all great flags. I love all of them. I love what they say about the individual characters who created them. Um, but none of them are Steed's actual flag. But uh, that was—I believe that was Blackbeard's flag, though. Okay, I think yeah. I mean, that's a much easier one to replicate because it's probably much better documented as well. Because one of them is Steed bought it, and one of them is fucking Blackbeard. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you can. You can Google Steed Bonnet's flag and and find it relatively easily. I do uh I do want to call attention to one of the best jokes in the first in the uh first episode. Do you want to live? That's a complicated question. <laughs> like that's a that's a fucking millennial mm-hmm. mood right there. Um Let's see. The anachronistic use of music in the show is very good. Um, It's good in the first couple of episodes. Uh, The last several episodes, it's phenomenal. Um, And uh, where was it? I had one other note. Oh, I love how Lucius is wondering if he's in into girls now because uh, he actually enjoyed Jim kissing him. <laughs> uh, that was that was a fun like, little oh, touch. Shit. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute. What is this feeling I'm having? No, Jim. No, no, Lucius, you're not into girls. It's fine. Jim's not a girl. Maybe you're not, maybe, maybe you you are not strictly gay. I mean, there, when it comes to like non-binary acceptance in like the, the gay and lesbian community, there's been a lot of, I don't want to say redefining, but like making it a more, making the words gays, gay and lesbian be more inclusive, like, you know, having it not having it be but like including non-binary people in in it such that like 
I identify as a lesbian because I am someone who is not a dude who is exclusively interested in people who are not dudes. And the term gay can be used the same way where if you're a gay person, then that indicates that you are someone who's not a woman who is interested exclusively in people who are not women. I think that's fair. So, I mean... Lucius is Lucius can still be gay. Some people do like to say that they're bisexual or pansexual and stuff when they're talking about including like non-binary identities in their attraction. And like that's okay, but that can trend a little a, a little towards like not really good implications. It it's complicated. Identities are complicated. Being non-binary is complicated. But, yeah. No, it's still very entertaining to me. Um, I don't know. I could I could continue to talk about a lot of things, but I, I feel a little bad just kind of, like, lecturing you <laughs> on... Uh, on this gay pirate show. I am definitely fine. It's just like, I, I feel like my, um, all my class thoughts got out at the beginning. No, I that's, also got that's bogged fair. down because I was pulling up the information to tell people what to watch, what we're going to watch next time. And then I started having to do, like, I started doing see what episodes we should watch season math. <laughs> mm, uh, fair. Because I have bad news for you about the number of episodes that we need to watch next time, I think. It's eight, isn't it? It's not eight, but... Uh, it's as, half of that. It is, actually, yeah. It's four. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, That's good fine. show. Uh, ten out of ten, frankly. Uh, probably nine yeah. out of ten. Not ten. It's not exactly perfect. But it's fucking good. Like, it's, yeah. it's better than, like, a lot of shit. Um, yeah, it's like, if, if Steven Universe were an R-rated pirate show get it r um <laughs> but yeah if steven universe were a tvma pirate show this is very similar to what it would look like i think um yeah i will i will not bore you with uh further further class I have not discussion been i think bored at all this entire time um i Actually, I do want to make one more, bring up one more point. I do think that the show's treatment of homophobia is very well done because it is clearly something that is in the background, like Mm -hmm. Lucius references being in the closet, having a beard, that kind of thing, which, you know, anachronistic references, Mm -hmm. but it's a reference Um, to the the concept of homophobia. Badminton is uh, explicitly homophobic. Yes, um, but the especially in later episodes, the characters themselves, like the the ways in which the different characters interact with each other and the portrayal of like homo romantic uh, engagement. Um, and that kind of thing is just very, it's very compassionate. It's a very compassionate look at 
the way that queer love can flourish when there are, you know, forces that don't want it to. And like, you know, especially because when it comes right down to it, like people don't turn to a life of piracy. Okay. Steed's a fuckwit, <laughs> but you know, people didn't typically turn to That's a the life joke. of piracy. That's the joke. With that Steed. is the joke. It really is. Like they don't typically turn to a life of piracy because, you know, things are great and society values them. Right. Exactly. Um, like this is and, no one's first option. Hell, it's not even yeah. Steed's first option. It really isn't. And, you know, the kind of people who get pushed into the mar- margins and got pushed into piracy, you know, a lot of them probably were queer. Like there's the the concept of that French word I can't say, uh, metolatage, something along that line with, you know, the concept of of a deep relationship with somebody um, who is probably the same gender as you but you know having having it be legally binding and as far as like piracy could be legally binding mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's just a very it's it's very compassionate when it comes to queer affections queer romance queer identities and that's one of the things that makes it so appealing uh in general um there are a couple of really good gags that are kind of rooted in like modern day gay uh gay culture um where uh lucius uh lucius quasi seduces fang at one point and he's already with black pete at that point and uh I think it was Izzy was like, yeah, but he, you know, he cheated on you. And, and Lucius was like, yeah, I, I, uh, drew Fang naked and Black Pete's just like, oh, nice. Good job, babe. Like. (laughs) We're pirates. Why the fuck would we care about monogamy? Yeah. It's just, you know, non-monogamy is, is it, it's. No one judges Spanish Jackie. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody judges Spanish Jackie for, for her 19 husbands. Like. Mm. You know, non-monogamy is a joke, but it's not the butt of the joke. Yeah. Like, it's it's funny because of the way it's used, not because... Because having 18 oh, husbands is hilarious. Yeah. And, like, good on Spanish Jackie. Chase your bliss. Um, yeah. It's just, it's very compassionate about queer identities and queer love, and it's nice. It's nice to see that in something that's mainstream. It's nice that something like that has gotten so popular, especially because we haven't had like a, a fuck politics moment this episode. I didn't really want to do that. But, you know, fuck the world we're in right now. It's nice to see somebody being compassionate. Right. So. And I feel like that's probably a good note to end on. So. As I alluded to earlier, next time we will be watching the first four episodes of season five. Stuck Together, The Trial, Off Colors, and Lars's Head. Um, oh boy. We're, I think, <coughs> in particular, there's a, we end up on Homeworld, a uh, spoiler, we go back to, ho- like, we're not on Homeworld for the entire rest of the season. 
Um, but uh, what we get off of Homeworld in these first four episodes, and ironically, the last four episodes of the show are also on Homeworld, so it bookmarks pretty well. So we'll, we'll need to do four at the beginning and four at the end. Um, okay. It's because there's multiple double episodes inside of this season, so I'm trying to, like, so we're not doing this too yeah. terribly often. Um, in particular, Fair. gonna do Reunited, which is the wedding, and Legs from Here into Homeworld, and those are the only two episodes this, that, that episode. That's because mm-hmm. Reunited's double episode, and I feel like without, we could probably talk about it and it's lonesome, but it from legs from after that, the the quote unquote finale begins. Mm. So we might as well just do all those ch- chunked together because legs from here to homeworld really sets it up. OK. Anyways. <laughs> yes. Um. So that will be that. Um. Hopefully we'll have our new logo by then. I think Lou should have it just in time. So, but please get us your questions. Everybody. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We had questions. Oh, we had so many. All right. Let me finish this last thing. People, yes. I want your questions because at Lars's head is the episode where the thing happens to Lars. Mm. Everybody. I'm not going to say what happens to Lars. Um, But that's the episode where the thing happens to Lars. Uh, so by all means. Uh, these four episodes have got a lot of shit going on inside of them. Um, questions from the question. I'm so used. I'm so used to us not having questions that I entirely forgot. We had questions. I even asked a clarifying question. Um, and I still almost forgot. So we have a bunch of questions from both Izzy and Danielle. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll start at the top. Izzy asks, uh, what are your thoughts about how Steed approaches piracy? <coughs> Do you think he's too naive? Um, yeah, I think that's the. Yeah, for sure. I think this is this is 100 um, percent starts off as the show where like it's, you know, this is the Hallmark movie where the girl from the big city moves out to the small town because she's inherited a farmer fucking whatever. And she meets some mm-hmm. dude who gives her some of that good, good small town dick. Um, but it's her big city skills or what have you that ultimately saves the day when some motherfucker wants to burn down the ag hall or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's certainly the vibe that Steven's supposed to be going off of, but it's supposed to be like, hey, all of this baggage you brought from a place that isn't here means nothing and you're garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that the show is explicitly not punishing him because of his more humanist approach to his crew. But no, those things are usually like it's when he's treating them as perfunctory tools that they go poorly. But when he focuses on them as actual individuals and starts actually giving a shit about them, those things begin to pay off. Yeah. But he's definitely too naive. Like, oh yeah, that's that's the entire point of the the setting up these first three episodes. He's he's too naive, and that's where Blackbeard's supposed to come in. Um, Izzy would also like to know who would win in a fight: Buttons or Jim? Jim. I agree. I, <laughs> the, I think Jim's the buttons, most deadly person on that boat. <laughs> I think that Buttons would weird Jim out, but. 
at the end of the day, Jim would win. Uh, there's some fun stuff that happens later with buttons that uh, you will never see, but mm-hmm. uh, buttons definitely has a vibe. Oh yeah. Uh, Listen, I can already, I can, I, I, I understand the buttons vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. But Jim and never has to get close to buttons. Yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim quick can just draws do, buttons. Oh, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you think Steed found Lucius? He seems so out of place amongst the other pirates, but also isn't on the same level of place as Steed is. Um, I think, I think we get kind of the implication that Lucius got disowned. Like Lucius was probably from a, a moderately well-to-do family. He, he knows how to, to read and write fairly well, but he also had to do pickpocketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think the implication is that he, he got disowned cause he was gay. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe. Like he was probably from like a middle-class merchant family. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost certainly had to like make a, you know, make his way his own. Also, that's how, that is how Steed found Lucius the same way he found everybody else on the boat. Uh, they're the worst pirates. They're absolutely <laughs> all the worst pirates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like Lucius, Lucius seems fine, but he's the worst. Pi- he's also one of the worst pirates. Yeah. Like they're he's, competent enough, but like these are not. This is not your A team of pirates. No, no. This is this is not a, a crack team um, by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I mean, this is probably like the other the other pirates definitely seem to be experienced at pirating. I don't think that. This is this is Lucius's first rodeo, almost for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Because he's also he's also think, implied to be younger than everybody. Yeah, else. I think he's more of a street urchin. He's maybe been on like one more ship, and that was like a short mm-hmm. stint. And he hated it. He yeah. hated every fucking second of it. And then he saw this. Yeah. He saw Steed, and was like, "No, nah, this is it. This is my fucking money right here." Hmm. <laughs> um. Izzy would like us to uh, give Seer our favorite ships for the Revenge's crew, cannon, non-cannon, crack ships. Just C wants them all. I have none um, so far. So Outside of all the things that I know. Um, yeah. My my favorite ship is cannon. Uh, it's Olu and Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, it's cannon. Um, I'm, I'm aware. They're just, they're just very... Well, the the listener may not be aware. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, especially because, like, you know, like most fandoms do, they they kind of forget that the darker-skinned characters exist. <laughs> so I have not seen nearly as much art of, like, Olu and Jim as I have of other ships, canon and non-canon, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame because they're really good. They're, their dynamic's really good. Yeah. Their vibe is very um, solid together. Also, like, Olu is just great. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's um, eating something else. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, what's the actor's name? Jim Jimenez. That doesn't seem right. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for Jim's actor or Olu's actor? Olu's actor. I was seeing other things because I've seen him before. Mm. And I'm just trying to figure out where I've seen him. Apparently he's in the upcoming 
Puss in Boots movie. Um, wow. There you go. Danielle would like to know what our favorite gag is. Um, the, I, I, my, I really particularly like all the pirate flags. I think it's one of the better, D- them and the crew doing a, a surprisingly good job at being like dumb gentry people. Uh, also mm-hmm. very fun at the tea party. My favorite gag in these episodes is definitely the, do you want to live? That's a complicated question. (laughs) It's, it's a fucking, it's a fucking mood. Like sometimes you just don't want to exist and that's fine. Um, favorite crew member. Um, I do like buttons quite a bit. Buttons is great. Buttons I, is very good. No, no one on the the thing. The thing that Buttons really has over Jim is that Buttons definitely seems to have no like seeks death, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and thus has no fear of it. So that's one thing Buttons could definitely have over Jim. Yeah, if Jim doesn't end that's, it with those first couple of knives, then then Buttons has a real chance. That's true. <laughs> that's so true. Especially like like buttons with with his chompers. It's mm-hmm. like he could definitely do some damage. Uh, yeah, no buttons is really good. Uh, my favorite crew members, Jim. Uh, love love a non-binary person who could end me at at fifty paces. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Danielle would like to know if we would buy Steed's booty. Um, I did like the man for sale bit also very fun. They're like, no, you're yes, because they're like you initially you're like, are they are, are they are they uncomfortable because of the, the slavery implication? But like, no, they all seemed very down for selling this man. And then I got yeah. like, oh, because he's a flouncy prostitute is what's going on here. Uh huh. They don't want to they don't want, like, yeah, got it. Yeah. Um uh, I personally would not buy Steed's booty. No <laughs> offense to Steed or his booty, but no. <laughs> not not my cup of tea. Fucking burned. Um, uh rank the crew of the revenge from most to least competent. Competent competent at what? Eh, vague hand <laughs> gesture. Um of the the revenge's crew. The Revenge's crew, okay. yes. Um. I feel like Jim is the most universally competent. Uh, they can read and write. True. They can speak multiple languages. They're very good at disguise. And they're uh, obviously very good at killing. I think John, big John, the big feller. We John. We John, yeah. He seems pretty like he seems got shit together. He's just lazy. Yeah, that doesn't make him not competent. It just makes him not want to do things, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I feel like Buttons is fairly competent. He seems to be uh, pretty good at seafaring. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good at. I don't know if I want to say he's good at reading people because they were literally just saying we want to commit a mutiny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he he at least is 
observant enough to be able to pick up on that, which is more than you could say for Steed. Yeah. Um, so I think Buttons comes next. Uh, Probably Frenchie is in there. Yeah, Frenchie's in there. I think Roach is a little bit above Frenchie, but that's a little bit of future series knowledge because we see Roach doing a fair number of of yeah. things. I think Frenchie, I think Frenchie, Wee John, and Roach are all basically on the same tier. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Like they're not the most competent, but they they are all also competent at things that they do. Yeah. Um. um. I don't know that I love Olu, but I don't think that he's necessarily as competent at things as other people are. Nah, he's well, you know what? He's probably better at talking to people than the entire rest of them. Like you he, are right. He's you are 100 percent. right. He knows how to, he knows how to read vibes. Yeah. Uh, episode five definitely proves you to be correct. So, yeah. Um, at the bottom for the most part is Steed. There are certain things that he's very good at, but most of them don't serve him well at pirating. Oh, Black Pete. Where does Black Pete fit? Black Pete's obviously the worst pirate on the boat. Yeah. He's in fact worse than Lucius somehow. Yeah. Fair. Um... And Izzy would like to know, does anyone on the show rate on the dad scale? I asked the clarifying question, dad or daddy, and Izzy said yes. Okay, so no one is daddy on this show so far. I mean, Correct. probably Blackbeard at some point, but like he was all he doesn't get it just because of the last couple of minutes. I don't know that I would say Blackbeard is daddy either. Is the closest. I mean, of the regular cast and crew. Obviously, Spanish Jackie is top daddy. Spanish Jackie is top daddy. <laughs> of the of the quasi-regular cast and crew, I would almost say that Fang could potentially qualify as like I'm going off of three episodes. Yeah. So going off just these three episodes, I don't think anybody qualifies on the daddy scale, but Steed is definitely on the mom scale. Yeah. Uh, Ulu, dad scale. High dad scale. Yes. Yeah. Olu's, Olu is, is very high on the dad scale. As is Izzy. Izzy has dad dad scale vibes as well. Izzy has daddy issue vibes. I mean, yeah, you can be you can be a dad. And have daddy and, issues. And still have daddy issues. No, you're correct. You're absolutely correct. He's not a good dad, but he is a dad. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty good about these power rankings. Mm-hmm. Righty. Well, that's our last question, I believe, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Alrighty. Well, again, we're watching the first four episodes of Steven Universe. Um, if you want to talk about our, our vibes, uh, here about this show and others, come check out our cool ass discord. The link is in the description below. Um, 
pretty much it. Uh, you know our shows. You know our shit. Um, we're, we're deep in the yeah. weeds of just doing our shows at this point. We're back on show doings. Yeah. Uh, um, something that's worth shouting out. Uh, by the time this goes out, uh, the next, the following weekend, that weekend will be the Moonshot Moon Landing live stream event. Uh, raising money for Trans Lifeline. It's like the 26th through the 28th, I think, of May. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of Standing Stone people are going to be on it. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff, uh, games, a Princess Bride table read, uh, all sorts of cool stuff with really cool people. Check it out. Brian, future Brian, can you check the dates and put it in the description below? He will. Thank you. Um, uh, so you you will see some familiar faces there if if you choose to go. Righty. And that's all I can think of. Well, I feel like it's only only fair that August gets to send us out on this one. Before before you rest control from my <laughs> mutinous fingers. Yep, yep. Um All right. In that case, dear listener, I encourage you to be like Steed Bonnet and leave your family behind. Peace. To death we go, to certain death we go. Our one hope being that our certain death ain't slow. We unsheath our sword and sharpen up our knives and head full sail toward the ending of our lives. Our chances are slim, no, not very good at all. To death we go, to almost certain death we go. 